0: Turn to your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we go to the last part of the chapter. This is the chapter in which Jesus talked in parables. And some of the richest teachings of the Word of God are in the 13th chapter of Matthew. We'll come to that another time in the messages. There was some focus on it in the Sunday school hour this morning. But we want to come to the last part of that chapter. And uh, this always has an emotional appeal to me. The last visit a person makes to a city is a visit that's remembered. Some of you will remember when John F. Kennedy visited Bowling Green. Did any of you see him when he was here? Yes, yeah, some of you, some of us did. It wasn't long after that he was assassinated, and a lot of people, after that, said, "Well, you know, I just saw President Kennedy when he was here." As we think of that. I think of the last visit that Jesus made to the city of Nazareth. That's the city where he grew up. Every one of us will make a last visit someplace, sometime. This passage is a heartbreaking passage to me. The Lord grew up in Nazareth. You know he was prophesied by the prophets. He was the Messiah. He was born in Bethlehem. Not long after he was born, Herod put out an edict to kill all the little babies down at Bethlehem, especially the boy babies, because he heard there was a king born down there. He didn't know exactly who it was. He said, I'll just get rid of all of them. But the mission of Christ was not completed I believe you and I are immortal until our mission is finished if we're in the will of God. I don't believe we have to be afraid. Now, I don't think we ought to be careless. I don't think we ought to rock, walk out in front of cars, do daring, crazy things right? like jump off the Empire State Building or something like that. But if we're walking in the will of God, God will take care of us. That's the reason I don't believe we need to be afraid to go visiting, go soul winning. God will take care of us. I don't believe that's careless when we're doing the will of God. And so Herod had no power to kill Jesus in Bethlehem. He just slaughtered some innocent little babies and totally missed the point. In the meanwhile, Jesus was in Egypt. Mary and Joseph had taken him there. And when they heard that Herod was dead, they came back to Bethlehem. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you need to go to Nazareth. Now, after all, that's Mary and Joseph's home place. That's where they'd been living before Jesus was born. They said, we want you to go back to Nazareth because the scripture must be fulfilled. I will call my prophet out of Nazareth. He will be called a Nazarene. And so Mary and Joseph took Jesus back to Nazareth. He was just a little baby, maybe three, maybe two, three, four. We don't know exactly how old he was. But he grew up in Nazareth far as we know the only time he ever went out of Nazareth was when he was 12 years old he went to Jerusalem and was presented there to the to the temple at the temple a Jewish boy became a man when he was 12 years old and he was presented as a man and of course you know the story of They stayed there a little while, and then they started back home to Nazareth, and Jesus wasn't with them. After they'd gone three days, they thought he was with their relatives and friends, and they found him not. They came back to Nazareth, found him in the temple. He was talking with the lawyers and the scribes and the priests, and they said, why, son, we sought you sorrowfully. Did you not know we were wondering where you were? You've been lost. (laughs) Imagine telling the son of God he was lost. And Jesus said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And then he went to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Now it was not until many years later, when he was 30 years of age, about the year 27 or 28 A.D., that Jesus left Nazareth, went down to the jungle of the Jordan, was baptized by John the Baptist, and there... Began his public ministry. When we come to the 14th chapter, the 13th chapter of Matthew, we find Jesus going back to Nazareth for the last time. This is his final visit to Nazareth, as far as we know. We've been studying the life of Christ in Sunday school. This is an important pivot in the ministry of Jesus and in his life. I want to read this, beginning in chapter 13 with verse 53. It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. And when he was coming to his own country, that's Nazareth, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished, and said, From where hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and his brethren James, and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? From where then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? The Lord of the creation who touched blind eyes and caused them to see who touched lame limbs and caused them to walk who interrupted funeral processions and raised dead people to life who said to the restless waves peace be still who said to a crazy man in the tombs come out of him and the demons came out and the man was clothed in his own right mind and he said, Lord, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, you go home and tell your friends what great things God has done for you. This is the same Jesus. But when he came home to Nazareth, he went to the temple, went to the synagogue and, and talked to them. And they were offended at him because he spoke with authority. He spoke the wonderful, graceful truths of heaven. And they couldn't, they couldn't grasp it. They Couldn't get hold of it. And they were offended at him. And the scripture, the narrator, brother Matthew, under the the inspiration of the Holy Spirit records he did not or could not do many mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Isn't that sad? That's a sad thing. I appreciate Jerry Falwell. I may not agree with everything. I agree with a lot of things he does, and I appreciate him very much. But one thing that's very interesting to me about Jerry Falwell is he left his hometown, went to school over in in Springfield, Missouri, and then he came back to his hometown, Lynchburg, Virginia, and built one of the greatest works in the whole world right there in his hometown. But if you should go to Lynchburg, You would find a lot of people that hate him. In the town where he grew up. And if he had been dependent just on the people in Lynchburg to build that great work, I'm not sure how strong it would have been. For a long time, he went three to four, five hundred in Sunday school until he started that national television program. And the people all over the world have supported it and have sent money to build the great Liberty University. But in his own town... A lot of them don't like him. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own town, own country, among his own people. Now, as we think of this, I want us to think tonight, why could he not do mighty works? Why did they not have faith there in the city of Nazareth? And what kind of lessons can we learn from this? I want to suggest three or four things. Number one, Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. They knew Jesus. They said, "Why well, is not this uh, the carpenter's son?" Sort of snarling at him. This is Joseph's son. We know him. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't have any wisdom. He doesn't know. Anything. He hadn't been to seminary. He hadn't been even to college. What's he getting up making fun of? Making 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 so much of these things. What's he doing? Why, why, why? We don't have to listen to him. Well, we know his mother, Mary. We don't even know whether we think much of her. And we know his brothers. And we know his sisters. And incidentally, Jesus had brothers and sisters. They were half brothers and half sisters. Because Jesus' father was the heavenly father. His mother was the earthly Mary. And the scripture goes way out of the way to say that Joseph and Mary did not come together until she had brought forth her firstborn son jesus and so the lord had some brothers and sisters and this scripture particularly tells us they said we know his brothers we know his sisters Why we know him he's not so hot he's not much familiarity breeds contempt and i want to tell you some of the hardest people to reach for christ are your own family members some of the hardest people to deal with are your own friends. Now, when you have been changed by the power of God, and He comes into your life, and you demonstrate over a period of time that your life has changed and that God has done something in you, there will be some friends who will perk up and say, I want, I want what he has. I want what she has because that person's changed and I, I'd like to be changed too. But, but with every one or two of those friends you have, you have four or five others that'll stand around and say, aha, it won't last. Not going to be very much. Family members will say, what kind of holy Joe do you think you are? Tell me what to do. Try and tell me how to be saved. You go do something else. Don't try to tell me this. And you, you say, oh, why is it so hard? Well, I have news for you. It was hard for Jesus too. Right in his own city. They wouldn't pay any attention to him. And the same Jesus that cast out demons in the cemetery, that raised dead people to life, that touched blind eyes and caused them to see, when he went to his hometown in Nazareth, he couldn't do any mighty works there. Not because he didn't have the power, but they wouldn't let him. Why wouldn't they let him? How does that affect? What kind of effect does that have? Why, you say, well, What difference would it make? He could do it anywhere. He was the Lord of creation. No, no, no. Certainly he's the Lord of creation, but he can't do it anywhere. He can only do it where there is faith. You read the Bible through. By faith, we understand this. By faith, Moses. By faith, Samson. By faith, Jephthah. By faith, all of these great men of God did what they did by faith and the only way that city of nazareth could have ever been touched by a great spiritual awakening was faith faith is the victory that overcomes the world and they were just used to jesus now secondly i think they were too busy they were too busy to sit down at jesus feet and listen to him And if there's ever a sin in our lives, that's a sin. We get too busy. We got the TB. Now we live in an age when tuberculosis has almost been exterminated. Don't find very many people with TB today. Some do. Some have it. We used to have an old TB hospital out here near Richardsville, near Riverside. And it's all fallen down. They don't use it anymore. I'm not sure they even have TB hospitals I think they put them in special units in the regular hospitals now. That's an interesting thing. They used to quarantine TB patients. But we don't have much TB, but we have lots of spiritual TB, 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 TB too. We have lots of spiritual tuberculosis. That is, we're too busy. It gets into our bloodstream. We have this schedule, and this schedule, and this schedule, and this schedule, and that's the folks at Nazareth. They were busy. And they said, well, after all, we've heard Jesus before. He grew up here. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. And and what he's saying, oh, it sort of sounds good, but it, it doesn't make much difference. And do you know that there are people today who hear their pastor? They hear their deacons plead for you to go soul winning? to get involved in the work of God, to put your all on the altar for Christ. And you say, well, I'm just too busy. They just don't understand how busy I am. Yes, we're busy. I think we ought to be busy. Jesus said, did you not know I must be about my father's business? Incidentally, when the Lord asks somebody to do something, he doesn't find somebody sitting around doing nothing. He finds somebody that's busy, 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 and he says, i got something else for you to do. Lord, how in the world can I do anything else? All right, I'll pass you by and go to somebody else that's busy. Don't ever say, Lord, I'm too busy to go soul winning. I'm too busy to teach a Sunday school class. I'm too busy to be a deacon. I'm too busy to, be, to give to God. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. God may take you at your word and say, all right, I'll pass you up and go to somebody else. And you'll sit on the sidelines all the rest of your life and never be what God wanted you to be because you were too busy when the opportunity came. One day he passed by a farm and he saw Gideon out there. And, uh, and the Lord said, Gideon, I've got a job for you to do. And Gideon was busy. And Gideon just put his plow down. He said, what is it, Lord? I'm reporting for duty. Jesus passed by Matthew at the tax office. And I'll tell you, if there's ever a time that people that are busy, it's the tax people. And the Lord came by and he said, come after me and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Matthew put his taxes down and started following Jesus. But when he went to Nazareth, We don't read about any of those disciples coming from Nazareth. Not any of them. They were all too busy. They were involved in their schedules. Why could he not do the mighty works in Nazareth that were done other places because they were too busy? Now there's a price in building a great work for God. There have to be some people... Who will see a vision. And will get in step and say, I have important things to do, but I'm going to be busy about the Lord's work. In the early years of our church, Lee Kennedy will probably remember this. We often said to the deacons, if you're going to serve as a deacon, you must attend the deacons meetings. And if we have to have a deacons meeting after church and stay till midnight, you need to be there. How many times have you stayed the midnight after church? A preacher that's just asking too much. But if you look at the statistics of the early growth of this work, the work grew because there were there were a committed group of men who put the Lord first. Almost every deacon that went out of town, I'd say, now I want your phone number, where you going? Because I may need to get hold of you. I'd find out where they are. Sometimes I had to call them long distance. The price for building a great work is time. And if we're too busy, God says, all right, you're too busy. I'll pass over you and I'll find somebody else that will give me some prior time, some, some prime time. And the folks in Nazareth were just too busy, and Jesus could not do the mighty works there. But he did other places. Thirdly, in training tonight, we were talking about why we don't go soul winning. What is it that hinders us? Jesus said over and over again, "Go, go, go." Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, "Go." Mark Mark chapter sixteen verse fifteen, "Go." Luke chapter 24, he said you're witnesses of these things. In John chapter 20, 21, he says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Amen. In Acts 2, 8, he shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Jer- Jerusalem and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God be besiege you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. Go, And over and over again that word is gold. And so we were asking, why do we not go? And somebody came up with this brilliant thought. We're indifferent. We're just indifferent. We've heard it before. And over in Nazareth, I think they became indifferent to Jesus. Now, I I can imagine... I don't believe all those legends they tell about Jesus that he touched a cow who had a broken leg and the cow's leg was healed instantly and uh, he uh, healed some dead chicken and the chicken got to life again. You'd You'd be amazed at all the fairy stories they write about Jesus during those silent years. I don't take any stock in those, but I want to tell you, I believe they watched the life of Jesus. I believe he was an exemplary young man. And I believe... That they could see something unusual in him. And yet they wanted to lure him to their level. And they got so used to him that they became indifferent to him. Oh, that's Jesus talking. You know, he he talks like that all the time. He says all these that's nice. That's nice for him. But you don't want to work for me. And we become indifferent to the tug of God in our hearts. We become indifferent to what the Word of God is teaching. And Jesus is limited because of our own indifference. Is that true with us at Glendale? Is that true in your Sunday school class? Is that true in our lives, we just become indifferent Jesus could not do those mighty works because of their unbelief. Now last of all, and this is the saddest of all, it's related to everything else I've said. Why was there no faith? Why could Jesus not do the mighty works there? Why was there unbelief? Now listen to this because they heard the word but did not heed it they couldn't help hearing it Jesus said it they heard the very word of God they heard what God said holiness is mine, be ye holy, I'm holy, be holy bring you all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it they heard it Go ye into all the world and teach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They heard it, but they didn't heed it. You see, it's not just the hearing, it's the heeding. Jesus said, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Now, in this room tonight, Every one of us have heard from heaven. Maybe most of us have some schedule by which we read the Bible. Some read a chapter every day, maybe a few verses every day. Some are reading the Bible through and reading three or four chapters every day. Some come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But is it possible that we hear the word but don't heed it? What do we have to do to break through into the hearts and lives of men and women so that they not only hear but they heed and they get excited about what can be done? Here was Jesus in the very city where he grew up. His brothers were there, his sisters, they didn't even believe in. And again, let me remind you, the hardest people in the world to reach are your own family members. They're tough, tough nuts to crack. Matter of fact, one of Jesus' brothers' name was James. And James didn't believe until after the resurrection. He's the one who wrote the book of James. He didn't even believe in Jesus. Oh, he knew he was there, he knew he was a man, but he didn't believe him as the son of God until after the resurrection. Now, all around us we have those currents swirling. And I want to know tonight, are we going to heed the word of god or are we just going to say oh there's that preacher preaching again there's the bible the bible jesus said that over and over again but you really can't tell what he means he said go ye into all the world and make disciples of all the nations but you know he couldn't have meant that you know why he must have meant something else because if he meant that then i have to do it but i'm not doing it so he must not have meant it ye shall be witnesses unto me both in jerusalem and all judea and in samaria and the most parts of the earth well now lord i know you said that but that's not really what you meant Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Oh, I heard that. But Lord, you couldn't have meant that. Look at all the thousands of people that drank. Church goers that drank. Well, Lord, you know you didn't mean that. That old fuddy, duddy preacher is just preaching something that is not really what the Word of God means. We hear it and we do not heed it. What will you do about it? And they were offended in him. And they were offended in him. And they were offended in him. I want to tell you, you either have to get offended, or you're indifferent, or you heed what God says one of those three I don't think we can do anything else we either get offended and get our backs up and get all filled with pride and say well I don't like that well I'm mad at that I don't like the way that the preacher preached or I don't like what God said or I don't like what the little click that runs things and I don't like the way they sing all the time and all that you get offended or you get indifferent and say well so what so what that's, just, that's okay they just and it's like water pouring off of a ducks back or You heed the word, and you say, I'm going to do something about it. Now, wouldn't it be a glorious thing if this spring, in the next seven weeks, we'd heed the word of God, we'd do something about it, and we'd say, Lord, I'm going to tithe my income. I'm going to do it, because God said to do it. I'm going to do it. And Lord, I heard you say that holiness belongs to the Lord. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to watch the way I live. I'm gonna watch the way I walk. I'm gonna watch the way I talk. I'm gonna watch my faithfulness at the house of God. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be somebody that can be counted on. And Lord, I heard you tell over and over again that we ought to go out and tell other people about the Lord and about heaven. One of the greatest passages in all the Bible is the 14th chapter of Luke. And Jesus said here, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them who were bidden, "Come, for all things are now ready." And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said, "I have bought a piece of ground; I must needs go see it. I pray thee, have me excused." Another said, "I have bought five yoke of oxen; I go prove them. I pray thee, have me excused." Another said, "I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come." So that servant came and showed his lord all these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, "Go out quickly." into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind and the servant said Lord it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is room and the Lord said unto his servant go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled for I say unto you that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper there comes a time when God begins to take us seriously he tells us to go but we can make excuses just like lost people can make excuses. We can say, now, Lord, you don't understand. I'm just not eloquent. I'm afraid somebody will ask me a question I don't know how to answer. Now, Lord, you don't. other people don't have nearly as busy a schedule as I have. I'm just busy all the time. Beside that, I've got to stay home some nights and watch television. Keep up with what's going on.